Would you look with me tonight, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. We're looking forward to uh, this coming year, 2018. We're already making plans for Alaska, and then uh, uh, in June sometime, Lord willing, hope it'll take place, and then in July we'll be in our national conference, and this year it will be in Boise, Idaho, and so we're looking for that opportunity and privilege there. We still serve with the Rock of Ages as uh, representatives of the ministry. A couple of years back, uh, the Walker County Jail came open, and I'd already contemplated about doing some, a little bit of work. I'm there too, sometimes three days a week. And uh, I'd actually thought about going to CCA, uh, Correctional Corporation of America. It's now CORE in Silverdale, and it, the door just didn't come open. So I, I thought, well, okay, I, I won't do that. And about two, two and a half, maybe three months later, Brother uh, Ellis asked if I would be interested in taking the uh, Walker County. I actually thought it was the Chattanooga jail or the jail at Chattanooga. And uh, it wasn't. It was Walker County. I went over. I talked with the sheriff, talked with the major, talked with the captain. And so we've been there, and we're enjoying that. It's an opportunity to reach some men with Christ. Just last week on Monday, I was able to see another one say, no, excuse me, Monday was Christmas, Tuesday. And so we had one saved on Tuesday, and I praise the Lord for that. You know, when Brother Wayne and the men come over, I actually told them, I said, they just need some preaching. They just need preaching. Uh, just the day before, a man in tears, uh, just bawling, and shared with me that he was two years HIV positive. And uh, a young lady there that's 21 years old, uh, her uh, stepfather had abused her, turned around and stuck a face in her, or stuck a knife in her face, not a face in her knife, but a face or a knife in her face, and she's there. And I think about another young, or another man, just the week before that was telling me in tears about his 14-year-old daughter committing suicide. And it's tough times. It's really, it's tough times. You know, we're living in some of the precarious times, I guess you'd say, or or awkward times, or whatever you want to say, however you want to say it's what I'm trying to say, but we're living in some tough times. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And, uh, you know, we go into churches all over the country. God's been so gracious, so kind to allow us to do that. But you see people that come in, and they're smiling on the outside, but really, on the inside, they're falling apart. And what we need is preaching. What we need is to just get back to old-fashioned Bible what does the Bible say? And just, uh, you know, just preach. I want you to look with me tonight, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. I want to take one Bible verse, if you will. You stand with me. It won't read, or it won't take long to read one verse, if you will. Stand with me. Ezekiel chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 30. I'm not worried about the dispensation. I'm not worried because it's in the Old Testament or nothing like that. Actually, you could take this verse out. You could place it in many places in the New Testament if you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying uh, to change or anything like that. I'm just simply saying it could because of what the verse itself holds in uh, thought. Now look with me and notice with me what he says. He said, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now, let's read it one more time. Would you do that with me, please? And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now, let's have prayer. Then after that, you can be seated. 
Our Father, as we come again to the throne, it's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. We come with a grateful, thankful heart. Heart, We've done had a good message. Thank you, Father, for Brother Jeremy as he shared the good word of God. And our Father, as we have this privilege, uh, we have this opportunity, it's likewise a responsibility. And so, Lord, I ask you, Father, please, I think about what Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power, that your face should stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, Lord, if you'll grant just good liberty with the touch of God, may, Father, we say that and preach that, that you'd have us to be placed on our heart. May it be a blessing. May it be an encouragement. But Dear God, help us to look back. Help us to look back to the uh, older times, uh, our times early in our lives. Now, Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. If there's one with us lost, God save them. One cold and indifferent, warm their hearts. Encourage thy people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I think about one line text, or excuse me, text is out of one verse. I think about when I first got saved, I started serving the Lord or started going to church. And uh, later on, uh, as I was going to church, uh, God introduced me to a pastor by the name of Bobby Ballou. He's now at the Eastbrook Baptist Church. And he's, I think he's 80 years old, Brother Ballou is. He was our pastor for many years. And it was one-liners, what I'm saying, it was one verse, one chapter, or excuse me, one verse just like this one that put a zeal, that put a fire, that put it in my heart to make me want to serve the Lord and follow after Him. Now notice with me, if you will, let me just give you three things by way of introduction. If you'll notice with me, we see number one, there's the yearning of the Father. There's the desire, the yearning. What does God have in mind? As you look at this verse and you look at it uh, alone, can I say to you, God's still looking for a man. You look over in Genesis chapter 12. God was looking for a man. His name was Abraham. He said, get thee out from among thy people, and I will make of thee a great nation. You come on down and you see a man that's kneeling at a burning bush on the backside of the desert, Moses. Moses said to the Lord, I can't speak plain for spluttering. God said, who hath made thee, or who hath made man's mouth? And he said, I'll give you what you need to, uh, uh, you'll need. He gave him Aaron, and actually, uh, if I remember correct, when I think about the passage of Scripture, when Moses stood before uh, 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 Pharaoh, it was Moses doing the talking and not Aaron. And so God has a way of helping, but God was looking for a man. I uh, think about the psalmist David and how he was a man after God's own heart. I uh, think about as we come on into the New Testament, Paul the Apostle, he's a man that God has used. D.L. Moody made the statement, or excuse me, it was made while he was listening to a preacher. It's yet to be seen what a man can do if he's sold out for God. D.L. Moody made that or made this statement. He said, by the help and the grace of God, I will be that man. And I want to say to you today, as you think about this passage, we see there's the yearning of the Father. God's still looking for a man. God's still looking. He doesn't care what age it is. He doesn't care how, in one sense of the word, how young it is. God's still calling out preachers. God's still calling men, and God's still using them. And that's not to leave you ladies out. I think about our daughter Brittany as she serves the Lord, and I think about Seth back there with Wesley as he serves the Lord, and I think about how that God is using men and women all across the face of the earth, if we'll just be pliable, if we'll just uh, listen to what he has to say for us. 
I see secondly, there's the yoke of the faithful or the yoke for the faithful. He said in that verse, he said that I should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the lamb or before me for the land. And you know, when you look at that, I think about as he talks about that yoke. I think about Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, 30. He said, take my yoke upon you for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your soul. Now I'm not quoting the whole thing there. But as you think about the yoke and you think about two oxen, they always would put an older oxen with a younger oxen. And the reason for that was the purpose that the old ox would show the young ox the way. And God says, take my yoke upon you. He's the eternal God of heaven. And he'll put that yoke upon you and I and he'll show us that way. And he'll show us that route and he'll show us that direction. Another thing about that yoke is that yoke had to be fitted or for that ox. If that yoke was not fitted for that ox properly, then it would chafe, it would set up boils, and they couldn't use that oxen. And so God says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about y'all, but in the 39 years that Gail and I have been with the Rock of Ages, and before that when we were called to preach and we submitted, and she had to submit with me if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, man's not very much of a preacher without a good wife behind him. And uh, God's given me that, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, she tells me where to go and sit down, and I go over there and sit down. Amen. Now, I'm joking, okay. <laughs> I'm joking, but you know, listen, I'm talking to you about there's a yoke. There's a yoke for the faithful. If you'll just be faithful, if you'll just say, Lord, here am I, send me. God has a place for you. God's willing to use you. I don't care who you are, how educated or how dumb we may be, God has a place of service and God will use it. You know, sometimes I stand amazed. I Really, I stand amazed at the places that God has allowed me to stand and preach. I preached in the Philippines. I preached in Africa in little old straw huts or little thatches, so if I can say it to you like that. I've also had the opportunity of preaching in uh, larger churches of a thousand and so forth and so on. I mainly sat there and my knees was wobbling and shaking. But anyway, I tried. Amen. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that God is looking for a man. And then may I say to you, look in this passage, you look in this verse, we see there's the yield of fruitlessness. And what I mean by that, he comes along and he says, I found none. And you know, one thing that I appreciate about the Whitfield Baptist Church God has made this a breeding ground for young preachers. God has made it a breeding ground for preachers, if I can say it to you like that. And that's one of the heritage. You know, I go into churches all over the country, and I see and I, I think about one church, I think about out in West Tennessee, and the uniqueness of that church is that many times the people that were getting saved were old people. I mean, old, like me and like some of y'all here, amen? I think about one man that got saved, he was uh, probably 70 plus, he was retired. I was preaching one Sunday morning many long years ago. I gave the invitation, and about where Brother Jason is, around in that area on that side of the church, he raised his hand. He said, it's me, it's me, I'm the one. And he came forward that day, and he was lost, and he got saved. His wife, as she came with him, and she looked up, and she said, I've been praying for this day for 39 years. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that God is looking for a man. And God's looking at each and every one of us here tonight. And God's saying, will you be that man? Will you be that woman? Will you be that one that will let me take you and use you and, 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 and bring forth much fruit out of your life? 
I think about Kevin in that uh, 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 the video there. And I thought, well, he's got on a good shirt, Georgia dog, amen. And, you know, look at him. I think about how he started out. Just a young man in this church. And, you know, he just started out. And he goes for three months to take charge of a church while a missionary had to come home on furlough. And guess what? There he meets his wife. And then he goes back. And now look at him and what he's doing. And also his brother and your husband and you and, and so forth and so on. And how God has used this church, those young preachers that have come forth out of this ministry. God is looking for a man. Let me give you four things to think about tonight. We'll be done in just a few minutes. Maybe. Lord willing, Jesus don't come. I appreciate what Brother Wayne said earlier. The crock pot keeps on cooking. Amen. <laughs> it may be dry, but hey, it keeps on cooking. Cooking. Amen. All right, now look with me. I want you to notice with me. Turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through chapter 3, and about verse 1, 2, and 3. And can I say to you, what kind of man is God looking for? Can I say to you, he's looking for a spiritual man and a wet man too, amen, and a fat man too, amen. He's looking for a spiritual man. And I, brethren, could not speak unto as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. He said, for I fed you with milk and with, not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Then you go back to chapter 2 and verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. And he says in verse 15 and 16, uh, uh, verse 15 and verse 16 of 1 Corinthians, let me get there if you will, give me just a second. And if you'll look in that passage of Scripture, he said, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And as you think about this passage of Scripture, you're in one of those three areas. You're either a, car or a natural man that's never been saved, you're unregenerated, you do not know Christ in the free pardon of sin, or you're that carnal, or excuse me, you're that spiritual man that is striving and searching and looks for discernment and, and looks to the Word of God and so forth and so on. Are you that carnal man? And you act like that unregenerated man in chapter 2, verse 14. I want you to understand that we're in one of those three places. Where are you at tonight? Does the Word of God, does the Bible, does the blessed things of God mean anything to you? Are you just a carnal, lost without God? I think about a man that I used to work with many long years ago, and uh, I would uh, make chemicals and legal chemicals. I want you to know that, and, and so forth and so on for Chemtech, and then we would put them on to the coder, and uh, you know they'd make the foam, or they'd do whatever they had to do, the jute backing or whatever, glue or whatever, and what I'm saying to you, he, he would come through and, uh, you know, I'd witness to him and I'd joke with him about tithing and everything like that. I was pastoring my little church and he always say things like, you know, I believe that charity needs to begin at home. And what he was saying is, hey, I'm not giving to nothing. Are you a spiritual man? Do you trust God? Do you look to the Lord? Do you trust Him to be and to provide and to give you what you stand in need of? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. Why? Because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. And then you look in verse 15 and 16. And he says uh, in chapter uh, 2, verse 15 and 16, let me get there. Give me just a second because I'm forgetting that passage of Scripture. And in verse 15 he said, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he is judged of no man. 
For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? I'll just kind of get to the chase and go on very quickly and say this. You and I have the mind of Christ because we get into the pages of the blessed Bible, the Word of God that he has given to us, and that's the revelation of God. That's God speaking to our hearts, and that's what God wants us to know. And I'm glad that I still can use an old-fashioned King James Bible. Amen? It's the Word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And as you get into the pages of the Bible, and as you pray, you seek His face, and as you come like He said about Mary at the feet of Jesus, and you take time and you worship Him, then you'll transform from that man that you was, and God begins to teach, and God begins to direct, and God begins to use you, and He's molding you into what He'd have you to be. You and I will never be what we can be until we yield ourselves to Christ. Romans 8, 29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed unto the image of His Son. And you may be this or you may be that, but you're not all that you can be outside of Christ, outside of the local church, outside of yielding yourself to what God wants out of your life. Amen. And then you come down in chapter 3 and he talks about the carnal man. Let me just say this very quickly. If you go back up, he'll actually take you to a reference or as you study out your center references, it'll take you back to verse 14. Now I've said this before, but let me say it again. He's not saying that you're saved today and lost tomorrow. But he's saying when you act like a carnal man, it's just like you're acting like an unregenerated lost man. And that's what he's saying. You know, I still have the ability to cuss. I still have the ability to do some of the things that I used to do before I got saved. But I don't do them anymore because I got saved. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I was talking to my son-in-law the other day, or yesterday, I think it was, and we was talking about different things, and and I made the statement. I said, well, you know, when I, I used to be bad about cursing, I used to be bad about using all kind of language, and I just caught myself one day and I started saying, tutti frutti, tutti frutti. And if I get angry or if I get mad about something, I just try to say, tutti frutti, fruity tutti tutti frutti, amen. But I may say it like that, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep myself from what, going back to what I used to be. You understand what I'm saying? God's looking for a spiritual man. Can I say to you, listen, secondly, turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of Romans chapter 12. Can I say to you that God's still looking for a man that will sacrifice, a sacrificial man. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm glad that God has done work in my life. I don't know about y'all, but I appreciate it. Sometimes it's been very difficult. I remember <clears throat> I was working at a service station. I'd gotten saved and my hair was down to about right here. And I had a cookie duster. Y'all have heard me say that before. And, uh, you know, I'm not against cookie dusters. I want y'all to know that. Amen. And, uh, you know, I remember God began to deal with my heart about getting a haircut. He did. He began to deal with my heart about getting a haircut. And I remember going into town to the uh, center of town, and there was a barbershop just down in that corner, uh, down in that little area. And I looked all over, and I finally got the last parking place. It was right on the edge. And, and I sat in there and sat in there and sat in there waiting to get into that barbershop uh, or barber chair. I was scared to death. 
I, I, you know, listen, the devil was saying, get out of here, idiot. What's wrong with you? He was telling me, get in your car and go. This is going to take too long. You can do it some other time, just not now. And you don't know how long it took me to build up the courage to do that. And I guess that sounds funny for some of y'all. And I just got set down in the barber's chair. And so here come a, a truck driver walking in. He said, I got my truck down here and I can't get around. There's a car there and I need that car moved. Guess whose car it was? It was mine. I said, hold the seat. He said, I can't hold it long. I said, hold it as long as you can. I got out there. God gave me another parking place. I got back in there. He said, how do you want your hair cut? I said, bub my ears. And he said, what? I said, bub my ears. Don't y'all look at me like y'all. Y'all looking like a calf looking at a new gate, huh? I'm finally getting a little boldness here, amen. I was scared to death when I got up here, amen. And you know, listen, he said, how? And I said, above my ears. And he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, why do you want it cut like that? You've had it long for so long. I looked back at him and I said, sir, I got saved. And I said, I started going to church. And the church started teaching me and telling me things like that, y'all to quit. You say, well, uh, you know, how, how can you reason that from the Scriptures? What did Paul say? Does not nature itself teach you that it's a shame if man long ha have long hair? And what he was talking about is male prostitutes there in the city of Corinth that would go out and solicit sex in the name of their God, and they had long flowing hair. And mine was long as yours was back there, sis. And you know what? God began to deal with my heart, and he said, okay. Boy, I walked out. We talk about rednecks. I wasn't a redneck. I was a white neck. Amen. <laughs> I went in the next day to the service station where I was working at, and they both laughed me to death, laughing at me, looking at me. They couldn't believe it. And you know what I'm saying to you? I gave that up because it was old-fashioned preaching of what I'm talking to you about that helped me to see the need to turn from that and to get out of that. You say, well, what is that? It's fundamentalism. It's Bible. It's to look right, to walk right, to, tack, uh, to, uh, to talk white, uh, uh, to talk right, and, and to spit white. Amen. I, I'll get it out there in just a second. I, I'm just trying to tell you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, I think about this, and may I say to you, you study out the New Testament, I'll give them to you very quickly. You find a sacrifice of God-likeness in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. You find a sacrifice of giving in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18. You, say, you, say, you find a sacrifice of gratitude in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. And then you find a sacrifice of godly testimony in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16. You know, when you think about the sacrifice of the Old Testament, it's where they'd take a lamb or they'd take a, uh, some kind of an animal and they'd take its life and they'd lay that upon the altar and then they would burn it in the fire. But God, or excuse me, let me just back up. Christ in the New Testament is our altar. And the word of God comes along and he says, I want a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is 
your reasonable service. The word altar is mentioned 321 times in your King James Bible, 21 times in the New Testament. And he says, give me your life. Give me your life and let me have you and let me use you. You be the sacrifice. Lay yourself upon me and I'll take and I'll use you for my glory and my honor and my praise. Can I tell you, listen, not only do we see that God's looking for a spiritual man, God's looking for a sacrificial man, but may I say to you thirdly, turn in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, God's looking for a sanctified man, a man that's willing to sanctify himself. You know, when you think about, and you've heard me say this before, but let me say it again. When you think about sanctification, there's positional sanctification. We're positioned in Christ Jesus, elect according to the full knowledge of God, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Grace be unto you, 1 Peter chapter 1. And then we see there's progressive sanctification. It's a lifelong process by which the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God. He applies it to our heart, and we by faith lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And we run with patience the race that is set before us. Can I tell you something in defense, and not that he needs defending, but let me say it in defense of Brother Wayne. Sometimes he stands up and he preaches, and he tells us things we don't like to hear. He tells us things that are contrary to our flesh. And he tells us things that may hurt us. And people, and I've had it to happen to me, I'm offended, I will not be back. And people are easily offended today, and if you preach on such things that I've preached on tonight, they're offended, they're not coming back, I'll go to another church. You can find anything out there you want. You can find anything out there you want. I appreciate his stand on the contemporary worship, if you want to call it that. I appreciate what he said here not too long ago about that we're in light and not in darkness and we don't need the lights cut out and only lights on the stage. I'm not into that type of music. I'm not in, hey, why do I want to come, why do I want to go back to something I was in before I got saved and live that way when Christ brings me out and he draws me? You know, we hear men talk about being called of God and the call to preach or the call to do this. Really, the truth of the matter is, it's not a call to preach, but it's a call to come close to His side. And as you and I draw nigh to Him, then He opens up our eyes and He shows us an avenue of opportunity or a place of work. And what I'm trying to get you to see is God's looking for a man that's sanctified and a man that's willing to sanctify himself. Notice with me what He says Give me just a second, first, or second Timothy chapter 2. And I want you to notice, it's been a while since I've memorized this. I don't want to continue to misquote them. Second Timothy, you've heard me use this before. And verse 19, he said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Uh, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. When I got saved, I quit going to the kick it. Now, it's no longer out there. I don't think it is. But you could buy two tall boys for a dollar and two cents. And I quit going there. You say, why? Because I got saved. You've heard me say this before, but let me say it again. An ounce of marijuana was $20. No, I'm not going to move to Colorado so I can get some and buy some and smoke it myself. 
and we call it medicinal or medical, medical or whatever. I call it a mess. And what I'm trying to get you to see is when I got saved, I come out of that. I started following new things. I remember when my father-in-law had to teach me how to tie a tie because they didn't know how. You're probably thinking, I still don't know how, but I've learned a little bit. Amen. I'm trying to get you to see something. God's looking for a man that will be spiritual. And he'll look after the Word of God and follow the Word of God. And God's looking for a man that will sacrifice and yield his life and give his life. I don't know about y'all, but I've enjoyed serving the Lord. There's been times that it's been a heavy burden. There's been times that it's been problems. There's been times, and a lot of times those problems I've committed myself or I've created them myself. But I'm trying to get you to see something. God's looking for a man that will sacrifice. And God's looking for a man for 2018 that will be sanctified. Look with me. Notice with me what he says in verse 20 and 21. He said, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Then he says these words, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I was thinking about this as, and I'm, I'm trying to get off of it, and I'll go on. I don't really mean to just keep on hounding on it. My hair was, I'd had my hair short. I went to a revival, actually, at Eastbrook. The old preacher that used to preach up there, and he'd stand, and he'd preach like that. I can't remember his name. He's dead and gone now. He was in Canton, Georgia. You know who I'm talking about, Brother Wayne? I don't either. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was sitting on the front row, and, I'd amen him on everything he had to say. Amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. That's it. Amen, preacher. And finally, he said, stand up, son. Boy, I stood up there and he said, sit back down, your hair's too long. It was about like it is now. And I, and I went the next day and I got a haircut. I come back and me and him were the first two at the church. And I knocked on his car. He's listening to some gospel music. He said, get in here, boy. Sit down here with me. Let's enjoy this good music. Trying to tell you something. God's looking for a man that's willing to sanctify. Notice with me. When you study this out, this is personal. This is what God begins to reveal to your heart. And you're willing to lay it aside and to set it aside. I enjoyed about two two packs of smokes every day. Winston's, if I couldn't have a Winston, I'd take a camel filter. If I couldn't have a camel filter, I'd even take a cool without a filter. Spit them just, spit it just like that, amen? I'd go to sleep. If I woke up in the middle of the night, I might have to light up one before I went back to sleep. Take me a drag off of it and then put it out. I'm telling you, I enjoyed them. It's the hardest thing that I ever tried to get rid of. I guess you heard the story about the drunk. And uh, the state trooper pulled him over. He pulled the bottle label off of the bottle and he put it on his forehead. State trooper looked at him and he said, Sir, have you been drinking? He said, No, I'm on the patch. <laughs> Never mind, you'll get it in just a minute, okay? We didn't have the patch back then, okay? Y'all needed waking up, amen. You look, you're looking awful tonight, amen. I'm joking, amen. 
I'm trying to get you to see something sanctified. Notice with me. Let me give you these very quickly. I begin to think about these words. The word purge, it means to cleanse thoroughly. And then I think about the word honor. How the word honor, it speaks of value or money paid. In an analogy, it speaks of esteeming uh, to the highest degree. And I think about how he says sanctified. It means to make holy, ceremonially, to purify or to consecrate. And I think about the word meat, how it speaks of easily used, useful, and profitable. Now I want to give you this again. I have a while back. You probably don't remember it, so I'm going to tell it to you again. Amen. But notice with me, he gives us, he begins to talk about vessels. And in this passage, he begins to speak about vessels of gold and of silver, and some of earth and some of wood, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And I think about, and I've used this before, but let me use it again. At the house, in the mornings, I'll wake up and I make the coffee every night before usually, because the Bible says Hebrews. Never mind, I'm going on, okay? I'm going on, I really am. And I'll make coffee, really, and the next morning I'll get up and I'll just reach into the cupboard and I'll bring out a couple of cups and I'll pour me a couple of cups for myself and that's what I have. And you know, when I get through, I may take that cup to the uh, bathroom. I, I may use it to, as I take some pills and, uh, you know, when you get 66, you need pills, okay? <laughs> and, and, and what I'm saying is, from my diabetes or whatever. And when I get through with that cup, I may take it and I'll put it into the sink and I go about my business. And you know, if I go to the office, in my office, I've got one cup sitting on a little table. And I, you know, several years ago, Gail and I were in Yankton, South Dakota. We were at the federal institution at Yankton. And the chaplain gave us that coffee cup. He probably paid around $15, $18. It's a beautiful dark blue, and it's got the gold seal of America on it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going to pay $15 for one coffee cup, okay? Now, I'm glad he gave it to me, but I'm not going to pay that myself. And I think about a coffee cup also for many long years that my kids had given me. It's broke now. It's gone now. But on that coffee cup, it had on both sides the world's greatest dad. And you know that first one I talked to you about, it's just common. It's just an everyday, if we break it, it breaks. If we falls and it, we lose it, then into the trash it goes and we'll replace it. It's just common. The other one is costly. I'm not going to pay $15 to $18 for a coffee cup. I'm just not going to pay that. It's more money than what I want to give for one, if you understand what I'm saying. But then there's that last one. And that coffee cup was given to me by my kids. You remember that, Stephanie, when y'all gave it to me? World's greatest dad. And if I had coffee, or excuse me, if I left the office and I was gone for a couple of weeks and come in, I'd go to looking for that coffee cup. Somebody else may have it, but that's my coffee cup and I'm giving it back. Or I'm getting it back because that's mine. My kids gave that to me. And you see, God looks at us like those vessels. Some are common. Some vessels are costly, gold and silver. And then some, some vessels are chosen. And you can be tonight that chosen vessel. I think about the testimony of Darlene Diabler Rose. She was a missionary 
behind World War II lines, and she was caught, her and her husband, and they were put in concentration camps. She saw her husband one more time, and after that she saw him no more. And she tells the story about how life was so rigid and how life was so hard. She's on death row, and she begins to pray, God, give me one banana. I just want one banana. God, just give me one banana. And God gives her a whole stalk of bananas. I think it's 81, if I remember the story correctly. And God gets her off of death row. And later on, she comes back. She comes back to her homeland, and she marries again, and she goes on with life. But God's looking for a chosen vessel. And I'm looking at the young people here tonight. And I'm looking at moms and dads here tonight. And I'm wondering about 2018 and what we will do. How many will be here next year, 2018? How many will wind up as a statistic, no longer in church? How many times have we knocked on doors and talked to someone and said, are you saved? Are you a Christian? Oh yeah, I used to be. I used to go to church. You know you're saved. Oh yeah, I used to go to church. You're going to be one of those numbers? Or will you sanctify your heart and give Christ that heart and let Christ have the whole of you? Some of us may be holding back just little things. And when you go to the Lord in prayer, you begin to pray about something, God says, let's look at that. What's that you got in your heart hid there? And God says, I want to use you. Now let's get that out. What's that that you're holding on to? How much more could the fullness of God and the power be upon your lives if you'll yield your life to me? I've told the story before, but let me tell it again about a young man. He's a preacher now. He was 21, I think around 21 years old, just out of high school a few years. And he just started coming to the print shop. And he said, let me try running that thing. And he started running the press, an old A.B. Dick. And later on, the ministry hired him because he just had a natural for printing. He could put it in alignment. He could put that paper in there, feed it in, bring out 5,000 gospel tracts in no time, 10,000, make those booklets, correlate them. We could put them together and off to wherever they were going. And you know, listen, he comes up and one day he quits. The young man was a young man. Jason, let me use you as an example. Would you please not to embarrass? I'm not going to try to. But you listen to me. Some of you are young people. You're young people. And you can carry. You can carry the weight and the load. There will come a time when you're old and you don't have that ability. And that was the case with Mike. Mike had that gift. He could just run those presses. He could just put the paper out. He could carry the load. And I tried to talk to him. Don't quit. Don't quit. We need you. What is God doing in and through your life? 
I've told the story of an old man. He's in heaven now. Thank you, Brother Jason. He's old now. When we'd go to church, we lived down in middle Georgia. On the first of the month, when I'd walk in, we'd have a handshaking time, Brother Wayne. He'd always seek me out, and he'd come up to me. He'd shake my hand, and he'd put a $10 bill. At the middle of the month, on a fixed income, he'd come up and he'd put a $5 bill. At the end of the month, he didn't have much left. He'd put a dollar bill. I always like to see him at the first of the month. Amen. <laughs> I did. Amen. But old Brother Brewer looked at me one day and he said, You know, Brother Gregory, he said, I felt God calling me to preach. I looked back at him. I said, Brother Brewer, why didn't you? The old gentleman. Your life's passing by. God's trying to reach in and do something in your heart. The Holy Ghost is trying to say, Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me a man. Let me put my touch on him. What could be God doing in your life, young man? You young ladies' lives. You young men back in the back. What is God trying to do? God's still looking for a man. Am I not right, brother? I know I am. God's still looking. God knows where he wants him. Mama worries. Don't say you don't because I know you do. God says, I got a hold of him. I take care of him. God's looking for a man. Will that be the next one? Will that be the next one? B-I-M-I used to say, give us a young man, let us take him to the, or a young lady, let us take him to the foreign field. I believe it was 75% out of 100 would return as a missionary. Keep them on the field. Back that husband. Love that man. Raise them babies. And God may say one day, this is yours, isn't he? I thought he would. I didn't know. God may say one day, I want this one. I want this one. How God's still looking for a man for 2018. God's still looking for a man, a woman, a young lady that'll yield yourself to God. I started to say it a minute ago and I forgot it. Darlene Rose's testimony, she tells of the time when she was just in a church, like a young man like that, or like that right there, just old enough. And God says, 
and putting a touch on you. They hardly noticed when the little child went forward and the little child said, I'll be the missionary. Look what God put her through. A trumpet player, cornet trumpet. If you yield yourself to what God wants. I look at men. Oh God, that I had the youth that you've got. Where does God want to use you tonight? God's looking. God's looking. God's looking. Boy, you'd be so proud. God just reached down and touched him. Mamas, maybe, our babies, God touches. Anybody can be like the crowd that's out there today. It dawned on me just a little bit ago. You know what Randy's doing with you when you're leading that choir? <laughs> He's raising up a replacement. God's still looking. And he says, he's still looking, isn't he? Never know. We just got to ask ourselves, will I be that man? I'm not trying to embarrass you. Will I be that man? God's still looking. God's still looking. No telling where God will take you. No telling what God will do if you'll just yield. Now I'm through. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our fathers, we come to the throne. Help us, Lord. Help us to be prepared for 2018. I ask you, Father, please bless this invitation. Lord, may the young people be willing to heed and respond to what God you may put in their hearts. Father, I'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' wonderful name.